Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. I'm Beck. I'm Siri. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hey everyone, Ashley here from Team Serious Tri Club. In tonight's podcast, Beck talks all about what you should expect to see and get in a 16-week 70.3 plan and also talks about what FTP is, how important it is, and how you may improve it. Hope you enjoy it. Hello everybody. Welcome to the live chat. One every month. We're not missing it. And today is the first uh, first Monday of the month. So we are going to do lives every single Monday. First Monday of every month. And you guys, let me know what you want to cover tonight. I was going to talk a little bit about, you know, we're starting to go into the start of the season now, which is really exciting. So uh, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the training you should be working on, um, some of the sessions you should be doing, and stuff like that. But if you have anything particular you want me to cover... Just going to go in here and pin this so people can find me. Um, okay, so I was going to touch on tonight about some of the workouts you should be including now starting into the season. Um, we're in, already in February. Um, it's the first week of February, and a lot of people are racing in sort of April, May, um, sometimes June even, but April, May, some people have their first races. I know the first 70.3 is in April. So we really should be getting into our 16-week out key brick and stuff like that. So I always reverse engineer all the training plans. Um, we have a 16-week out brick, a 12-week out brick, an 8-week out brick, and a 4-week out brick. That's The brick for us is a race simulation. So basically, we do race pace efforts based on the fitness that you're at right now, which for some people coming out of the off-season, for most people, uh, your race pace effort won't be what you're going to have to be able to hold on race day, but it's all perceived effort. So we start with sort of shorter efforts for your race pace perceived efforts, and then we build up slowly to longer efforts that'll probably end up being even faster than your shorter efforts once you build fitness over that time of that four months. So this is when we really start to reverse engineer your training plan. Um, we start to do key bricks, um, yeah, like I said, four months out, three months out, two months out, and one month out. And they usually, if you're a 70.3 athlete, they will usually be around three hours, maximum four. Um, the most we will do is about four hours because most people that I'm coaching ride anywhere between two hours, 15, 220, and like three hours. And we don't do the distance of the race. Um, we usually run off the bike when we know more than an hour. So the most we would do would be about four hours. Uh, and that will prepare everybody um, time-wise. Um, some guys that are taking a bit longer might do longer bike rides or longer runs. But a four-hour bike is definitely going to get you through a half Ironman, whether you take three and a half hours to ride it or not. It's absolutely going to get you through. And um, so the goal is to do a race simulation. And you're doing race pace stuff um, as a brick, as a bike run session. Um, and we also obviously do bricks during the week, but really start working on um, our strategic sessions. We have goal times for a lot of athletes, what their goals are. I know Megs, we had some goals, so we start walking towards those goals right now, about four months out from the key race. So we start working towards, if you say, oh, I want to swim 30 minutes um, for the 1.9 kilometers, we have to work out that you're going to have to do 2100s leaving on 150 or faster or you're not going to sorry 140 or faster you're going to have to be leaving coming in on around 130 to make that cycle and stuff like that and then we reverse engineer and we look at the bike if your goal is to ride say three hours 
um, that would be uh, about 30 kilometers an hour. So you would have to start working towards trying to hold. Now, I wouldn't say speed wise, but you wanna look at the functional threshold power. So you wanna be at least be able to hold 3.5 watts per kilo for a 20 minute effort, something like that. Um, if your goal is to ride about three hours, it's all dependent on your weight. So then eventually building up to at least an hour minimum at 3.5 watts per kilo is definitely gonna get you under three hour mark. So if you can do that, you're home and hose. If you can sit around three watts for over an hour, you probably get really close to three hours, maybe slightly over. And this is just guessing. This is just to give you guys an idea. Um, and then for the run, you know, if, it's, if you're aiming to go say a 140 half marathon, um, work out what that is speed wise, and you wanna start doing efforts at faster than that pace. So if you're trying to do efforts at, at the race pace, that your goal race pace is with the shorter efforts, I'm saying, um, it's not gonna improve your run or it's not gonna include your speed um, if you're not going faster than what you wanna hold race day. I'll give you a perfect example for me. My goal was to always go under 124 for the half marathon off the bike. And I knew that that was, uh, 124 is almost exactly four minute kilometers, right? Um, it's exactly four minute kilometers, which is 15 kilometers an hour to do a 124. So I knew that if I did 15 three minuters or 10 one milers at 10 miles an hour or 16 kilometers an hour, which is 345K pace, that I would definitely be able to hold four minute Ks um, for the 21K. So that's a pretty rough way to work it out. I know Cole, we, how are you Cole? We had some goals, say I wanted Cole to run a 130, um, our goal would be to at least hold four minute kilometers um, for at least say eight one milers or something like that, hold 15 kilometers off the bike. So we might be doing something like 10 three minuters or uh, eight one milers at say 15 kilometers an hour, or I think it's about 9.4 um, if our goal was to run a 130, because that's just over a four minute case. It's about 4.15, I think. Something like that, about 4.15, 4.20 pace. Wait, 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 let me think. 45 is one third. Actually, yeah, it's about 420 pace, 420 K pace. So we, we aim to hold four minute K pace. 420 minute K, it's easy to say for me because I'm Aussie. So if, if Cole can hold uh, four minute kilometer pace on pace off the bike under fatigue, we know that the 420 kilometer pace, which I think is around 9.4, 9.3, um, we can do that home and hose. So that's what we're aiming for. And he actually just did, I think Cole, I think you just did 20 right on 20 minutes which is four minute kilometers. So he's right on track to do that, which is awesome, except he's sick right now. So we're gonna work on that. But they're all the goal times that we have. And we start working towards that slowly, increasing the speed, increasing the time and speed um, and the distance um, over time uh, for the next three or four months to get to that goal race time. Anyway, okay, so do you guys have any questions on anything? So I know I'm rattling on there, but I wanted to give you guys an example. So as I said, with most people we're working on race simulations, but obviously you're not anywhere near where you want to be for your race goal. So um, you might not be able to hold what you're aiming for for very long in a race, but start with like two minute efforts or three minute efforts and slowly build up to four or five, 10, um, and then an hour slowly, slowly build up to that. And remember race day, you're tapered, you're fresh, and you're not gonna be under stress or under fatigue. You're gonna go into the race fresh. You're not gonna be fresh off the bike, but you're gonna go in fresh and you're gonna feel better. So you're always gonna have that advantage of, I try to tell my guys not to look at power or FTP at all during the, sorry, power at all during the bike. Um, just go by effort because usually there's a glass ceiling and you look at it and you go, oh, I should be holding less than that. I'm going too hard. That's 
you're limit them it's your limiting belief or a limiting factor and then you don't go as hard as you don't go as fast as you actually can because you think that oh gosh this is too fast i'm not used to this in training but really you're you're um, tapered and fresh and you can hold harder than you can definitely hold harder than what you were in training so if you've done the right taper and we can talk about perfect tapers i've done a few podcasts on that um, can you talk about how to do an FTP test? Well, you just did one, Megzi, but yes, I can absolutely do that. Okay, so I have an exercise science background. Um, I studied for over six years part-time at Griffith University. I also was involved in doing a lot of VO2 max testing, um, which maximum maximum oxygen uptake, uh, lactate testing. I did a lot of that with a friend who was running VO2 tests as an exercise scientist back on the Gold Coast. Also worked with the Institute of Sport many a times and the Australian team. So... There is a time and a place. Um, for someone you like you, Megs, we have a goal, so we do have one, but I don't think it's highly important, um, highly important to really focus too much on it. But what a functional threshold power test is basically, um, you can do it usually over about 20 minutes and you try to hold, you go for absolutely flat out for 20 minutes, hard as you possibly can. I recommend not looking at the power, just focusing on your cadence and like you should be at a nine out of 10 full throttle the whole time. You can, you can build into it slightly, but it really should be 20 minutes as hard as you can go. And if you've got too much left the last five minutes, you haven't pushed hard enough. Okay. And what that normally would do, for example, I've done mine on the Peloton. It's very inaccurate. It reads very high. So say my 20 minute was about two, let's say it was, let me think, 270, um, which is about what it was, but I really believe it's more like 240. So I weigh 60 kilos, okay? So say it was 240, round number. 240 divided by 60 kilos is four watts per kilo. Um, the top pro women are around 4.5. Some of the top pro men are pushing around 4.6, 4.8 watts per kilo, which is insane. So the absolute number doesn't mean anything because the bigger and the heavier and the more muscly, definitely the heavier you are or the more lean muscle you have, so the heavier weight-wise, um, the more you can usually push. So, for example, my sister's partner, is he's quite overweight, but he's, so you say he's 100 kilos, him pushing 4 watts per kilo is 400 watts. Me pushing 4 watts per kilo is only 240 watts. So the obsolete number doesn't matter. Um, we'll be pushing the same watts, but because he's heavier, he's going to push more watts. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, so that's just giving an example. Um, so basically, your yeah, functional threshold power is your maximum effort for 20 minutes. And usually you want to warm up a lot for that. I would say you want to warm up to for close to half an hour if you can. So you do a 15 to 20 minute warm up, easy, spinning. I would do um, five minutes single leg cadence to get even pedal stroke. Then I would do five lots of 20 seconds fast, 40 seconds easy. Um, you might even do a minute strong, a minute easy three or four times, but nothing crazy hard. And the spin ups are just 20 seconds high, high cadence, 40 seconds easy to flush the legs. Um, and then you go for it for like 20 minutes flat out. Kerry Lou, I think we did one, but I'm not sure exactly what we got for it. So let us know if you remember. Karen, I don't know if you've done one on the Peloton. Um, but as I said, the heavier you are, usually the higher the numbers, but the lower the power per weight, per, um, the lower the watts per kilo, if that makes sense. Like the Tour de France guys that are lean and tall and skinny. So Lance Armstrong, I think he's, when he was doping, was like six watts per kilo, which is just crazy. It was probably 420 watts for a 70 kilo guy. Um, that's not normal and not normal. People can't normally do that, <laughs> but to lift that, okay, I can tell you the ways to lift your functional threshold power. And that's all the sessions that we do. Uh, one of the best ways is to do VO2 max sets. So my favorite one is a really good warm up and four minutes of better to do eight minutes, but four minutes of 20 seconds max, 10 seconds easy. You're still moving. 
four minutes of 20 second max, 10 seconds easy, four minutes easy and repeat. Or if you're feeling really fit, you could do eight minutes worth of that. You can also do stuff like four minutes of 30 on 30 off, no, sorry, 40 on 20 off, but it should be two to one. So you're not really recovering. Um, there's other ways like max power efforts, like 30 seconds maximum power, three minutes, 30 easy, three times, four times, that is gonna kill you. Because if you can go absolute max for 30 seconds, with about 2.30 or 3 minutes, that's like a 1 to 6 work rest ratio um, or 1 to 5. Um, that's going to be great to lift your uh, FTP. Megs, you'll see me giving you stuff like that. That's when you really got to go for it. Um, long aerobic stuff helps a little bit, but it's a max hard hit stuff that really lifts your FTP. Um, time trials obviously help. Um, strength work will help because strength converts to speed. Um, and then stuff like 1 minute max power efforts. Something like only five of them, say one minute max power, three minutes, very easy. Four or five of those would really lift up the VO2 as well, which again in turn lifts up your functional threshold power. So hopefully that helps. I'm rambling on. Um, Megzi, let me know if that helps you. Um, but yeah, for, for you can kind of work out, now this is not guaranteed, but you can kind of work out with your functional threshold power, say you do or you do an hour time trial, you can work out pretty close to where you would be um, for, say, a 90K bike ride, right? So most of the guys who, say, do a 40K time trial, they would train similar to the sessions I just gave you, um, but they would need to know what they would need to know. They, they will know what um, their, their power needs to be in order to, say, break 60 minutes for 40K or something like that. It would have to be very high, probably around 4.5 watts per kilo or close to 4.2, 4.5. So it's kind of crazy numbers. It's really hard to hit. So you times your body weight by 4.5. If you can times your body weight in kilos right now by 4.5, a couple of the girls would be able to hold that for an hour or so, and all of the guys would be holding that right now um, easily, the top pro men. And it's insane, it's insane numbers because the age groupers are a long way off that. These, But then remember, these guys are highly conditioned to train full-time. They have the aerodynamics down. They knock off a few numbers, you know, with aerodynamics. The more aero you are and the more you can save number on what's with aero helmets. Now, I'm not talking about age groupers having to do this, but the top pros, aero helmets, position is way more, is way better. So the better the position, the more um, you're going to save with what's. So position is always first and then gear. So obviously, actually, let me say that. Conditioning is always first, then position, as in your fitness, and then position on your bike. And then you can start adding the aero helmet. The aero helmet has more advantage, believe it or not, almost than the carbon wheels. I think it's pretty close. It's a couple of watts. So say an aero helmet might be, compared to a conventional, might be five watts. Really good one compared to a shitty one. But your bike position, if your head's up like this, and then it's aero down like that, and you're low and flat on your back, that can be like 20 watts. That's insane. And obviously fitness is even more important. Um, wheels could be say 3% or stuff like that. Um, but that's all with, I talked to John Cobb about that, um, with the wind tunnel testing that he does. And it's crazy that how much body position makes a massive difference. Like you see people in these really expensive $10,000 time trial bikes and they're in the really crappy position or they just sit on their bars the whole time. It's a complete waste of money. They're better off getting on a bike that's a road bike, way more comfortable and being more aero and they're actually going to go faster if that TT position, like sitting like that, doesn't um, serve them. So it's so important to have comfort as well, though, because you have to be able to hold that position and feel really comfortable. So there you go. Hopefully that helped. And thanks, Megzia, for asking that. It is a really good question because we get this a lot. 
And Siri doesn't do a lot of FTP tests, but she sneakily doesn't. She does do it, but doesn't call it an FTP test. Um, but she would probably know every single athlete's numbers off by heart, as would I, without even knowing what your FTP was. I could pretty much guess it, um, what it is um, with your conditioning and your size and everything like that. I could guess it pretty much. But the leaner you are, the lighter and leaner you are, the higher your functional threshold power will be. And that is what the key is to be lean. So, cause, cause body fat actually slows you down. It's drag and it doesn't do anything other than add weight. So that's why you see the Tour de France riders there. Their uh, FTPs are insane cause they're so lean. Like I'm not telling you to get that lean you guys, but that's why their numbers are so high. Like they might push um, a huge number of Watts, but they, cause they only weigh like 60 kilos, 70 kilos. They're so light, but their FTP power to weight, like functional threshold power, which is Watts per kilo is so high. Is so high because they can push big numbers with lean muscle. So, yeah. Anyway, enough about that. As you can tell, I love that topic. So thank you for the question. But I think there's probably some more important things that we can talk about other than FTP. So Cole Martin, do you have any questions? Um, I had someone ask about they felt like they were getting sick. It wasn't you, Cole, but I know you've struggled with stuff too. So I have to remember the name of it. I need to post it after, but we, um, F2C greens is amazing. So it alkalizes the blood. So we use F2C greens on an empty tummy to alkalize the blood every single morning on an empty stomach and then wait 20 minutes. I usually work out fasted five days a week just to try and stay a little lean and access my fat stores. But, um, for athletes that are doing endurance, I don't, I don't really recommend uh, working out fasted, honestly, if it's more than a two hour session. If it's under two hours, totally okay. If it's more than two hours, it's going to start to get detrimental. It's kind of like that two and a half hour run, aerobic run. Like as it starts to go past two and a half hours, it actually starts to have a negative effect because there's um, heart, muscle, tissue, ligaments, tendons all start to get way more stressed. The aerobic system starts to get stressed and then it actually starts to have almost a reverse effect. So... There's so many reasons. If you, if you follow the plant runner, she's amazing and she talks about why, um, why over two and a half hours. And now, Siri and I have been saying this for like 10 years and now there's finally all these studies coming out, exercise science studies saying why you shouldn't run more than two and a half, three hours. And if you do, you do a four to eight hour break in between so your body can recover because it actually gets, it's detrimental if you go longer. So are these crazy people I know, some of the athletes I trained from Miami were doing five hour slow jogs. And I was like, guys, you got to stop doing that. Like they weren't listening to me and they didn't get the times they wanted to. So goes to show that, you know, sometimes it does pay attention to listen to your coach, right? <laughs> um, okay. I don't see any more questions. So if you don't have any more questions, I'll wait one more minute. Um, I'll say goodbye, but um, I thought there would be a few more. I know there was one on, now someone asked about my chicken soup recipe. That's right, because they were sick. So this will kill or at least reverse the symptoms, right? But you will smell like garlic, so don't go to the office and don't breathe on your family members or your partner because they'll hate you. But you can take your F2C greens, obviously, but if you can get an uncooked chicken, if you eat chicken, an uncooked chicken with hot water, like boil the water till level just over the chicken, and then onions, like like 10 garlic cloves, carrots, cabbage, chicken stock, like the little chicken stock cubes, like 10 of those, um, and onions and garlic and carrots and cabbage, and put it all in a big pot. That is the best way to get rid of cold symptoms. So Cole, I recommend you doing that. Um, and just keep up your vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams an hour that will knock everything on the head as well. I do have a shot that we take and I can't, I think it's some sort of a berry, elderberry shot. 
Um, it's amazing. And I can't think of the name, so I'll have to let you know, guys know what it is. But it's amazing and it really helps. Um, if I feel like I'm coming down with something, I take it. I have had a two-day kind of coldy, fluey thing, which possibly was COVID maybe this time last year. But it was two days of just mild symptoms. And I haven't been sick, touch wood. I haven't been sick for, I would say, three years, at least three years. And I used to get sick, so sick as an athlete. So I think the F2C greens absolutely work. And you guys get um, Sirius 20, I think, gives you 20% off. Definitely look into that. Don't forget perimenopausal women and men as well, too. Not perimenopausal men. Men, you guys need about two grams of protein per kilo of body weight. So always look. So for me, it's 120 grams of protein a day. It's so hard to get in as a vegan. But you can be by pea protein powder, which has like 25 grams of protein. No, I think 20 grams of protein per scoop, which will give you at least if you do two scoops, you're a third of the way through getting your protein for the day. So there you go. All right, you guys, no more questions. Um, thank you so much for being on and um, have an amazing week. I'm not going to see you for three more weeks, but um, remember, always tag at Rebecca Kido at Siri Lindley if you have specific questions. So, um, yep, let me know if you have anything and um, happy training, happy racing, and uh, we're here for you. Just always post them in the Facebook group. Bye, Carrie. Bye, Karen. Bye, Megan. Bye, Cole. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Beck and Siri Show. Be brave, be you, shine on.